My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Before all of the wins in my portfolio, I was a little boy diagnosed with polio. Welcome, everybody. Another Hollywood Godfather podcast with my co-writer, Kumbari Pat Picurelli. Good evening. I hope everybody's doing well. Okay, we have uh, uh, an interesting show. Well, it's, it's interesting, but it's also timely. Uh, I've gotten a lot of inquiries given my past history of uh, police work and other law enforcement work to comment on the incident that happened in Memphis, Tennessee last week, where uh, an individual by the name of Tyree Nichols was uh, beaten into a coma and then subsequently died. And uh, we've been seeing a lot of this. Uh, over the years, of course, with the advent of uh, smartphones, uh, people taking pictures of everybody. In oh, fact, yeah. when I was teaching in the police academy a couple of years ago, I was teaching these recruits who hadn't hit the streets yet. I said, if you don't remember anything else I teach you, remember this. When you leave that station house, consider yourself on video. And if you comport yourself under those conditions, you shouldn't have a problem. But everybody's taking pictures is the point. This This guy uh, was uh, stopped in a, in a in a car stop, driving erratically, and I'm not making any excuses for the cops. They did a horrendous, horrible, stomach churning thing. But he, this poor guy, Mister Nichols, wasn't beaten to a pulp at the car stop. Uh, he was roughed up, thrown to the ground, handcuffed. And he, he called for his mom, and that just broke my heart. I mean, uh, it was just horrible. But anyway, he was okay. Uh, then he got up, and he ran. And he was very close to where his mom lived. In fact, he was brought down again in a flying tackle uh, about 60 yards from his mother's house. Oh, wow. You have to understand something about the, the, the police. And once again, no excuses. This is just... With some police officers, and I can't tell you how many good police officers there are uh, in uh, relation to how many bad there are. All I know is I spent 20 years on a large metropolitan police force, the NYPD. I've seen good. I've seen bad and everything in between. Sometimes you'll find uh, a cop who considers it a personal affront if you run on him. And for these five guys, apparently that was the case, in my opinion. They had to chase this guy, and these were all uh, the cops. In fact, there were six of them to begin with. One uh, who they just suspended today, who's the sixth cop they suspended, didn't arrest, uh, was there at the scene of the first stop, uh, tased Mr. Nichols, and after he took off, all six of them chased him. But this cop, who's only been on the force for four years and looks to be quite young, also quite out of shape, looked very heavy. He stopped. He was just out of breath and never made it to the scene where uh, the victim was beaten to death. Anyway, the cops get to the scene and all this adrenaline is pumping in their minds. How dare you run on us, officers of the law? And they proceeded to just lose it. And now they're going to spend the rest of their lives in prison. But Let me ask you a question, though, well, well, before we get too far away from the weight issues. I thought you had to be a certain weight to be a police officer. So you well, can run. You do. You do. Now, certain police departments 
have you maintain that weight. Like the LAPD has you go for a physical every year. Right. You have to be a certain weight to take you off the street. Uh, the NYPD and most other police departments don't have that for one primary reason. Well, with the NYPD, it's been in the police officer's contract for many years. You come on the job, no more physicals, and it's always stayed that way. It's not a bargaining point. But in other police departments, in this day and age, and I call this day and age goes back to the Vietnam War, since then being a police officer isn't an ideal job. And holding on to officers is tantamount to keeping your police department at the uh, at the proper level of cops. Everybody, let's just say everybody, but most people tend to let themselves go a little when uh, the older they get. I mean, it's normal, it's common. With cops, however, the police work is a sedentary job. You're in a radio car for eight hours and you say, well, gee, you know, what I see on television, yes, yeah, exactly it. You see it on television, chasing people, always in and out of the cars. That's not the way it is. You get a, a call for service, you get out of the car, you walk, take the report, you get back in the car, and you're off again. Plus, you get bored, you start eating. Most police officers are out of shape. And they just, the, the individual departments, I can't speak for all of them, but most of them just don't want to lose their cops. So they keep them on. I've known cops in the NYPD that uh, uh, couldn't even walk up a flight of stairs. And this isn't only endemic to that job, it's all of them. I've seen those cops. I mean, I see them all over the streets here, and I'm saying, what the hell's going on? Because I, I remember when years and years ago, when when you're 18, 19, everybody wanted to get a civil service job. You yeah. had to be a certain height, a certain weight. It too. You had to be a 5'10 and uh, meet the weight requirements. Uh, they didn't have a specific poundage, but now there's no height requirements either. There's no age requirements. You can just, if, if you can pass the physical part of the test, meaning the uh, the actual exercise, the the uh, running, the jumping. You also have to carry around a 50-pound dummy and get it over a six-foot wall. Uh, if you're able to do all that, do the required number of pull-ups and push-ups, you're in. And then after that, you rapidly go downhill. You know, one, one fair story, when I was a sergeant in the 24th Precinct of Manhattan, I worked a deal with a local gym uh, to give cops a reduced... Uh, membership fee in this gym. It was a really nice gym. And the, the reduction was like 80%. And it was a real deal. And I uh, brought this to, to my to my squad. Uh, Sergeant has a squad of cops. I don't know how many I had, 10, maybe 12. Uh, I brought this up and they were looking at me like I had two heads. <laughs> I was just going to say, who, now, who, one of them, who took the membership? <laughs> yeah. Now, one of them took advantage of this. Uh <laughs> And, and that's not only cops, it's people in general. I mean, I see people uh, my age. Well, I'm an old man now, but even when I was in my 40s and 50s, I had friends that, that, that you know, walked the block and were breathing heavy, you yeah. know, smoking, drinking, drugging, uh, just sit in front of a television forever. But you would just think a police, I mean, just because of the requirement, is that with the fire department also? The you know? fire department is, is more stringent uh, as far as physicality. I don't know if they have to take a physical every year i'm not familiar with it but their uh that their test to get in is harder they have to look around hundreds of pounds of hose and it's tough yeah, yeah. not it's, it's tougher than the, than the police department anyway so that's what i think uh, precipitated this macho ego thing that they're going to teach this guy a lesson and we all know how that uh resulted but like i said everybody has a camera and uh everybody takes pictures but this isn't the way it always was in 1991, oh, yeah, there was no cameras. 
Yeah, there wasn't there were, there were there was cell phones in the nineties, but the you know cameras weren't a part of the deal. Anyway, there was an individual in 1991 in L.A., a guy by the name of Rodney King. Uh, who was I was it? there. That's, that's what was so scary about it. Well, let me let me lay the groundwork for people who don't Please. know what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, he wasn't an upstanding citizen. He took a couple of arrests, but so what? He didn't deserve what he got, which was a car stop. Uh, and he was high on uh, uh, angel dust. And he put up. And if you angel dust is a thing of the past, but uh, I dealt with a lot of people on it in the eighties and nineties and they have superhuman strength and they have no fear. I don't care what you're beating them with, trying to subdue them. They'll just fight you to the end. And that's what, uh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's what Rodney King did. And if you saw the video, which is on YouTube, by the way, just uh, put in Rodney King, uh, incident, uh, in the search engine on YouTube and you'll see it. This guy would not stop. More cops came to the scene. And he fought them all, and he took quite a beating. But this was the first time. Now, this, this wasn't a, a cell phone camera. A reporter happened to be in the area with a crew, and they took pictures. Anyway, this was the first time this was ever seen. And it's appalled people that police actually did that, and they see it for the first time. And this created the worst riots in Los Angeles history, particularly East L.A. Uh, they just yeah. tore the neighborhood apart. One guy which there's also a video of you can find on YouTube was a truck driver driving to make a delivery. He made the mistake of being white driving through this neighborhood where they were looking for anybody that was white or anybody that owned the business. Uh, and they dragged this guy out of his cab of the truck and they beat him with bricks. Uh, oh over. Do you remember that Johnny? Yeah, I remember. I mean, I knew what was going on. I mean, it was all over the, it was, there was no, no nothing else on, but that well, it was, it was what, a what, scary what, time. What precipitated all the violence was when the cops went to court, they were found not guilty. I think there were five of them, maybe six, yeah. all found not guilty, all went back to, to full duty and uh, asked me why. I have no idea, except that jurors were not used to seeing this and they just didn't know how to handle it. Uh, the uh, on the whole, Were there jurors? I think there was a bench trial. I'm not even sure. But anyway, they were they were acquitted. And that's what started the rise. Since then, we've seen numerous cases like this. But you have more of an insight to Rodney King than was uh, uh, published in the media. So why don't you tell us about it? Well, why, why I got, I mean, I was concerned, number one, I lived not that far from downtown L.A. I and mean, Beverly Hills is like 20 miles away. Go, go down Wilshire Boulevard right into, you're in down there. You're in, in the, you know. Yeah. It's And it, it got really dangerous. And what happened that and it, it was like you couldn't stop watching it. You were glued to it, and so you just kept watching and watching and watching it. And then what uh, really got me interested be, beyond I, I couldn't even believe that I went along with this. They interviewed Sheriff Ralph Lamb. Now most of you don't even know who this man is. Sheriff Ralph Lamb was a sheriff in the state of Nevada. His family is like. Were, governors and, and senators, and they, they basically controlled that town. So much so that even I had a conversation with Kirk Kikorian, if anybody doesn't know who that is, that's, he owned TWA, he owned MGM Studios, and he built a hotel called the International. And I said to him, did you get your sheriff's card? I said, what are you talking about? I said, you have to get a sheriff's card. He's talking about going game and lies. I got everything. I said, no, no, no. 
there's one man, Sheriff Ralph Lamb, who created this card. And if you are selling liquor or have a gaming license, you personally have to go get fingerprinted and be interviewed by him. <laughs> well, he thought, see, are you not something a billionaire? I said, don't try it. Now it's two days before they're ready to open the International Hotel. This kind of power this guy had. Now, for the people who don't know about Nevada, there are no locks on any of the casino doors. You couldn't even find them, look for them. They're not even put on because they never closed at 24-7. The sheriff was on the news appealing for Mr. Kirk Kikorian to come in. You have 48 hours or I will chain your doors closed. And he bought chains to go in and out of the handles of it. He was going to close down this hundred and something million dollar hotel was just built on Paradise Road. Barbara Streisand was opening it for Fourth of July weekend for two weeks, followed by Elvis Presley. Now, if you were violated, you violated this guy's law, he'd suspend you for 60 days. He had the biggest acts coming in. He paid them all. He'd have to pay them. He flew in and he said, would you come with me? I said, I can't. He don't want nobody to hear what he talked to me. He went, yeah. I know the guy. I'll come down here with you. And I did. But that's the kind of power. They made the mistake and asked him, what would he do now? And he said, was that? Try not to quote him. Try not to quote him? Okay. You, you know what I'm saying. I'm sorry? You know what I'm talking about, the language. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Language. No, he used every negative word and called an African-American on television, CNN. <laughs> I'm guy was crazy. And he said, I would create right now. And that's what they're not doing in L.A. They should have a, a curfew. Five o'clock. Nobody on the street. Those people. And they even said, what people? And he made a specific derogatory reference to them. I couldn't believe this guy. Now, obviously, he's getting all the coverage in the world. They want to go there and riot. So now he had to get ready for this. So I had a gun permit in Nevada. The office put out a call for us to come and be deputized. Anybody with gun permits? Anybody had a gun permit. Or is going to be automatically a deputy. Yeah. And his brother, Darwin Lamb, had one of the greatest restaurants on one of their ranches right out of town. So I figured, let me go see what this nuts doing. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of rapport I had with him. And went down there. He was serious. as I mean, that you can believe that if they're coming to this town. He was expecting riots in Vegas. Yep. Okay, go ahead. Yep. Sorry. No, that's what they were expecting because from his statements. They were getting so, now statements from California. We're going to go your, there and show him. What were your marching orders should this happen? I'm watching orders, and I went for the fun of it. Just, you know, I, I, I have nothing to do. So I jumped on a plane and went down. <laughs> and 
he told everybody, you got sworn in. Actually, pull up your right hand. You got sworn in as the deputy. <laughs> and your orders were shoot to kill. Anybody out after the curfew, shoot and kill. Guy's going out emptying his garbage. He's a dead man. At yep. six o'clock or something. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I you know, six I didn't o'clock. know I didn't know Lamb, but I knew right. of him. I mean, I was right. going to Vegas during those years. Yeah, he uh, he ran the town. The hell with the mayor, the governor of the state. They Everybody laughed. He, he, Tony Spilatro when he met him, because he wanted to meet him. And he yeah. told him. Yeah. You, you know, again, using derogatory negative yeah. things about Italians. Yeah. Well, I could say this because I'm Italian, I'll say it. He said, you guineas come here. You think you're going to run? You? No, no, ga- no gangsters here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, wait a minute. What's he been? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> How does Spilocho take that? Well, you could, you got Not well, but, the, but, but he had Oscar Goodman, you know, Oscar Goodman ran the town with, with Sheriff. He was his lawyer. He was a lawyer first, but he was very politically connected with everybody. And was it like a go-between? That's why he was a lawyer for the mob, basically, and smoothed things out and passed envelopes around. That town didn't run like any other town. Yeah. Well, that's why that's why uh, it, it it ran at a steady pace. Never yep. any problems. I mean, I, I haven't been in a while, but during the seventies and eighties, not so much even the eighties, but the seventies, you can walk around that town with a, two fistfuls of cash, and nobody would go near you. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it, it was amazing. Those no, days and, and that's why the thing, and nobody knew the unwritten law, even with the mob, because when they divided that town, first of all, the Binions and, and all of those people, they wouldn't allow Ita- Italians, Italians Italians in Las Vegas. And all the hotels that we all know today, anything south of Flamingo Road, is Paradise Valley. And that's where they said, you go build your houses, your casinos out there. And they did. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. That's where they built the first flamingo. Well, that's how, the, that's how the strip started. Every, everything used to be yeah. downtown. Everything was downtown. And they wanted to control it. There were a bunch of Texans that came out there. Tough guys also. And they had some reputations. I mean, they'd shoot, kill, everything. But nobody went to jail. Because everybody's carrying six guns and you know, pulling, pull, pull, you know, okay. that's crazy. We talk about the uh, the police and all these police incidents, and I've gotten a lot of emails. I've been being asked this all my life. That's why I go to uh, uh, social gatherings where people don't know me, and the last thing I want to tell them is that I'm a former police officer because then you're cornered for the rest of the night. Oh yeah, that's somebody that got a, a speeding ticket. It's uh, you know. You guys are shooting everybody. You know, who needs this? So I just, nobody ever knew that what I did. But anyway, what? Oh, no, I have a reputation today for police. I mean, I feel sorry for them. Yeah, you know. I know a lot of guys on the drum, they can't wait to get off. Oh, the, the NYPD, they're losing them uh, in droves. The people that have seven, eight, nine, ten years in the job are leaving the hell with the pensions. They're just going. But even Plus, the suicides but, in the department. There were two last week. Didn't I mention this last week? One guy. Uh, went into the program. The NYPD has an excellent program. If you feel depressed, if you feel suicidal, you turn yourself in, has no effect on your career at all. Uh, and they, they take good care of your psychiatric care. Well, he went and they took away his gun and his shield and they put him on a desk job and he was going for therapy 
Last week, he climbs to a very high building in Queens. Lefrak City. You know Lefrak City. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a very tall building. Hello. He, he jumped off the roof. Wow. So I guess his therapist wasn't working well. <laughs> Jesus. Not that day. But anyway, how did all this start? You know, it's it's any any police officer who's going to lose his temper and 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 uh, you know, take it to the next step. You know, these five cops are never going to see freedom again. You know, uh, the six guys just suspended. And you know why? Because he's going to flip on them. He's going to give on the ground, you know, boost on the ground. What exactly happened to support the video? But so the video is very jumbled. You don't see everything. Yeah, so I, saw, I watched it a couple of times myself. Yeah, he's, he's the guy that's going to testify. Mark my words. But anyway, uh, there's misinformation out there uh, that, that sometimes starts these riots, which is exactly what they want. We'll get into a couple of cases. And each one that I'm going to talk about, it's going to be fast, five minutes or so, on, on why this particular police incident is so special. But uh, there was a guy named Eric Garner. Uh, we'll use oh, wow. Eric Garner was uh, peddling loose cigarettes for a dollar each on Staten Island in a uh, on a on a uh, commercial street, and told them numerous times they they were nice to him. Well, you know the police didn't show up on their own. Uh, you have to have a complaint for this. So one of the uh, one of the store owners complained numerous times, as you said, because right. guys are taking away my business. Anyway, they had uh, uh, interaction with Mister Garner numerous times. Uh, this particular time, he fought. Now, Eric Garner was a huge guy. Oh, my God. With, with heart disease, you name a disease, he had it. So uh, the, the the police officer in question put him in a chokehold, which was permitted. Uh, and, he, and he died. Now, the ME gets on the news. Everybody's incensed. You can tell they need a reason to riot. The ME gets on uh, on a television news, 6 o'clock. And said, yeah, I have ruled that this is a homicide. He doesn't bother to explain the definition of homicide. People watching too many reruns of Hawaii 5.0 think it's a murder. No, a homicide is not a murder. A homicide is when there's two people involved in an altercation resulting in someone's death. It can be a justifiable homicide. It can be, he just says homicide. People saw that and burnt the city down. They took over the Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, well, you looked at it at the time. I'm you could go that's but, what I'm saying. About, and, and it's funny that you said that because, you know, most lay people don't know homicide. Yeah. Until, and like, you know, I was in th three incidents. You wrote my book, and yet, unfortunately. And there was self-defense, but there was still yeah, homicides. But still homicide. And until they had an inquiry. Yeah. And then it made a justifiable homicide. Well, then it has to be presented to a grand jury, and it does, and, right. and you're okay to go. But you know, this all this medical examiner had to say was homicide is defined as follows. But he didn't say that. And before you know it, we have a problem. Was he white or black? I was wondering if he was trying to stir it up. Well, no, he's not trying to stir it up. He assumed that everybody well, knew what, what I mean, what I mean, just do you know if he was a, a white man or a black man? I don't know. And, you know, everybody does that. You know, people that have been in this business for years say, yeah, it was a homicide. You know, thinking everybody knows, just like civilians who get uh, uh, mixed up between a robbery and a burglary. They think it's the same things. You know, they, they, they talk in generalities. And that's what happened here. But uh, the officer chose a bench trial, which means a judge. Uh, well, no, I didn't get that far with this case. Went to a grand jury. The grand jury wouldn't indict him because... The guy had so many physical ailments that they really couldn't tell how he died. He put it this way. He wasn't choked to death. 
you know, so they let him go and the riots started again. But you have to understand about when police can use deadly physical force is when their lives are, or somebody else's lives are in danger. That's the basic rule. However, they don't have to be right. They have to be reasonable. I have a case here, which we'll briefly touch on also, where uh, a 12-year-old kid in a gas station was pulling a gun on people pumping gas. <clears throat> Somebody calls the police. The police arrive, and the kid pulls the gun on a cop, raises his arm, and points it at him. The police officer shoots him, kills him, and it's a toy gun. Once again, riots. You know, that officer has to live with that. Uh, but he was reasonable. What are you going to wait to see if the guy pulls the trigger and it goes um, back yeah. in your head? Hello. He was reasonable in his actions. And if people say, well, this is my, my my next thing, aside from being reasonable. Uh, what I call the Joe Biden effect. Joe Biden, twice, the last time was on uh, Martin Luther King Day two weeks ago, where he stood up in a, uh, a church congregation, it was black church. And he is going on about the uh, police brutality and killing of black people. So here's Joe Biden's solution to this. Twice he's done this. Two years ago, he was chastised for it and he did it again. He said, why don't these cops shoot for a leg or an arm? What do you think, we're Annie Oakley? Let me tell you something about shootings. <laughs> when you're in a shooting, and I've been, and I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm going to mix Vietnam and the police all together. I'm not talking right. about what I've done. But when you're in a gunfight, sound stops. You think you hear your gun go off? You don't. And it's called a red zone. Your heart, you enter a red zone when your heart is beating over 180 beats a minute. And you don't hear anything. This is survival, fight or flight. It's an automatic brain response. Also, some people, I never had this, but they view the scene like you're looking through the wrong end of a pair of binoculars. And you should do that when you're a kid. So I hand you this is cool. Let's see what it looks like this way. And that's what you see. You're zeroed in on the incident that's going on. And we're, we're taught, and every police department in the world is taught to put the threat down so the threat is no longer a threat. Right. And you shoot, they teach you to shoot for scent the mass. You can't shoot, you can't wing a person. Uh, this isn't the movies. You can't shoot a gun out of somebody's Well, not hand. only that, you know yourself, how many guns have you shot? The the, the footage or yardage is yeah. going to determine where that bullet's going to. And if well, you're, not, like yeah. you're saying, you know, you're, yeah, you're, well, sure. but you're not going to be a boxman. No, we don't have to be marksmen as cops. Most shootings, there's a high percentage of shootings, occur within seven feet. And still, you don't use your sights. You forget you even have sights. You stick your arm out and you shoot for center mass because that's what you're taught. Right. You can try to shoot for a leg or an arm. What happens if you miss? You're dead. Hello. Or a civilian in that particular incident, or whatever it is. Yeah, any surrounding person get killed on that, that one. Exactly. So we're taught to shoot for center mass and to wait. You don't wait. You don't shoot once. Let's see. Let's take a survey here. What happened? <laughs> he just emptied the gun out. <laughs> they keep shooting until the guy goes down. The guy yeah. doesn't go down. They keep on shooting. And it's to save your life or a civilian's life. And those are the rules. But do so, you know do you know of any trial? That that's been brought out, right? Yes. Oh, you've sorry, you do. Okay. Well, you should ask. Uh, 
a person by the name of Amado Diallo in 1999. This was uh, a hardworking man from, uh, I believe it was from uh, a country in Africa. Uh, wasn't bothering anybody. He was going to a friend's house in the South Bronx at night. Now, during that time, there was a serial rapist in, in that particular area. And this guy was operating for a long time. And the police department put in the, uh, the street crime unit, which are uh, uh, highly active cops. That's how you get in there to begin with, in plain clothes, and you hunt for the bad guys. So they saturated the area with all kinds of cops, unmarked cars, and a street crime unit. So they had a description of a recent rape and what the perpetrator was wearing. And here comes Amado Diallo, minding his own business, wearing the same clothes that the rapist was wearing. Fit the description to a T. So they're not going to approach him. They want to catch him going into a building, trying to jimmy a door, going on a fire escape, whatever, catch him in the act. They follow him into a building. And if you know anything about these old tenements, you, you'll probably know this, Johnny. You just don't walk in and then you jump on the elevator, those buildings that have elevators. You walk into a small foyer and then there's usually four or five steps that lead up to the next landing. Because these buildings are pre-war buildings. And right. that's how they're made. And then you walk another 30 or 40 feet till you get to the elevator. If it's working, that, that, that area, not too many uh, elevators work. You press the elevator and you wait. So they follow the guy into the building. Now, these lights in these hallways very, very rarely work. And if they work, the kids put them out. Yeah, the kids put them out. They just burnt out. Or people looking to ambush somebody in the building, right. rob they them, them unscrew yep. the bulbs, break them, whatever. So he's standing at the elevator with his back toward the entrance. And five anti crime, uh, uh, street crime cr- cops go in there and they position themselves on a stairway, that first stairway, that. Uh, when you go into the building, the first four steps. Yeah, those, yeah a couple of steps. Just yourself, there's no cover, but there's some concealment. They get their guns out, and they announce in a loud voice, which is also what we're taught to do. And I don't mean uh, raise your voice. I mean scream. Police, don't move. Amado Diallo decides to turn around. And in his hand is an object that looks like a gun. It was a sandwich wrapped in foil. And he turns around and one of the police that was standing on a stair uh, lost his footing and slips back and he had his finger on the trigger, which was he shouldn't have done. The gun goes off. The other three or four cops and I don't know if you've ever heard a gunshot in an enclosed place. Outside, it'll hurt your ears. Inside, you just lose your hearing. And they figured this guy opened up on him. And when you ask the question, how many shots do you fire? Well, you fire enough bullets till the guy goes down. They fired 41 rounds at this guy. And he would not go down. Well, out of the 41, they hit him 19 times. And with the 19th shot, he finally went down. So, uh, you know, I imagine I can't put myself in this poor guy's spot, but the adrenaline is probably pumping. And when your adrenaline is pumping, you can become a Superman. If you've ever seen people once again, crystal meth or anything like that, they, they just unbelievable. This guy wasn't on anything, no alcohol, no drugs, nothing. So 19 shots, they kill him. He goes down. The city erupted. And in, in, in this particular case, 
I mean, I was off the job a couple of years, but I, I knew these guys, or two of them, who were there. They did the smart thing. You know, they were in the, were they reasonable? They were wrong, but were they reasonable? We're human beings and we can make mistakes. If you're negligent, that's a different story. But if you're reasonable and use deadly physical force, you are covered. Every police officer in the world is covered. So they elected, this was the Bronx, who were uh, juries in the Bronx were normally very anti-cop. So they decided to do a bench trial. A bench trial is when a judge sits in judgment of you. Right. And this could be a good thing or a bad thing. In this case, it was a good thing because the judge. Yeah, there's only one, one person. That's right. Not only that, the no, judge no. knows the law. They're not going to vote with their hearts, right. you know, as the jury would do. You kill this poor unarmed guy. You can't take a chance with a jury like that. They don't know the law. They're a jury, as the saying goes, or as the law states, of your peers. They don't know the law. In fact, they won't allow lawyers on, on a jury. So the judge acquitted them because they acted reasonably. It was a, a confluence of, of, of an error where the cop slipped and his, his, his gun went off. I think he was chastised for putting his finger on the trigger, but that's not a crime. And right. this poor guy died. And uh, the, the city was in an uproar for weeks after that. What after year that. was that? Pardon me? What year did that happen? 91. Uh, pardon me. 99. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, and uh, they they still talk about it. The the, the, the city. And he was a good guy, and it was no construing him with a, some kind of a criminal. The city gave the family uh, uh, twenty one million dollars. That doesn't bring your loved one back. Uh, but soothes the pain. Twenty one million, man. Forget it. Twenty one million shot forty one times. Hello. And that's what pissed people off. Why did you shoot him? 41 why would you shoot at him 41 times so the old thing is i mean i knew a cop once and this is you know folklore in the nypd how did how come you shot him 15 times a 15 round magazine in a, in a clock 17 why did you shoot him 15 times i only had 15 bullets <laughs> you shoot him till he goes down and there's some theory behind this you mean he didn't go down with 19 bullets i mean i wasn't there uh, and in the heat of the moment, nobody can explain why he didn't go down. I'm thinking that the bullets were keeping him up. Wow. Threw him against the wall and he stayed up. And then the last, then he finally went down. But that was a shame. It was a mistake. And these cops have to live with it. In fact, one of them, about five years later, was promoted to sergeant. There was another uproar. How can you promote somebody who's guilty? Well, they weren't guilty. They were acquitted in the court of law. And the last one, the last of those cops retired in 2018. But, uh, you know, there's uh, famous. Let's go to a commercial. Okay, please. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We know where you live, man. You know that. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather. And this is my story. I'm happy to say Hollywood Godfather, Rob Ography, is now playing on most platforms Apple Music, Spotify Amazon Music listen to Joel Ortiz famous rapper and Arsenic the Heat Breaker, multi-platinum producer for Sony produced this record, I'm proud of it there's 12 tracks you gotta listen to this you never know who you're lying in a room with So I broke a broomstick in half and let it groove with The concrete in the bathroom floor It had a new tip stashed it behind a toilet In case I ever had to use it Okay, I have, perhaps we could have like uh, one more case Which is of interest because no, they, sure. shot, no, yeah, talk to they shot uh, the, the 
uh, emergency service unit shot and killed a 61-year-old overweight grandmother. So this is how the media reports it. Was this the one that was getting uh, evicted? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Her name was Eleanor Bumpers. And this was unique because, once again, this was a, a unique case that uh, no one has ever seen before. This is an old lady, grossly overweight, uh, type 2 diabetes, heart disease. But, but they she didn't want to get evicted. Well, she did she but, wasn't but she did she did make a threat saying i'm gonna not threats she got, she got boiling a, lie i'm gonna throw on you hello well she got it she got a she threatened through a closed door because she had to be removed and brought to a mental hospital and back then if you had somebody that had uh, mental problems the police jargon was psycho right which is kind of detrimental and after the eleanor bumpers thing the psycho connotation was changed to an edp emotionally disturbed person. So you use the initial, we got an EDP or instead of a psycho, which I'll go along with. Anyway, they try to get into the- Well, the, let's come the, back from the commercial. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't want you to be, be redundant. I'll hear the story twice. <laughs> That's my new word, redundant. Anyway, uh, all right, we're back with a okay. great, great current event happening unfortunately this was a, a unique story in 1990 uh, something i forget what it was but uh this was a uh a 61 year old uh woman in poor health diabetes heart disease she was uh, uh morbidly obese and when the landlord came to uh evict her and they were evicting her to take her to a mental hospital and she hadn't paid the rent she, she refused to pay the rent because she said uh ronald reagan told her not to Okay, and if you can't listen to Ronald Reagan, who can you listen to? But she said, if you open that door, I'm going to throw a panful of lie in your face. So this upsets the landlord, and he calls the police. And the people who handle this are called the Emergency Service Unit, uh, the NYPD, commonly known as a SWAT team. All right, so they show up, and they've got a couple of things. Now, they know what they're dealing with. Uh, you know, it's not a, uh, 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 an armed guy loaded with guns and kill everybody he sees. Right. They're dealing with a crazy person. Okay, so they got plastic shields in case there is a lie in there. And they got a an implement that's uh, made out of uh, iron, and it looks like a Y. So, and it's a, a picture, a, picture the letter Y on its side and long. So that Y area captures the person and pins them up against a wall. So that's what they were going in with. So uh, they, had a, they had a drill through the lock for some reason. They open the door. They're in a narrow hallway, and there's no cameras. There was no same. There was no smartphones back then. She comes at them. No, she didn't have any lie, but she had a ten-inch butcher knife in this narrow hallway, and she charges them. And she was swinging to the point where she actually bent the tip of the knife. She was looking for blood. So this this one cop, his name was uh, 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 Sullivan, Jimmy Sullivan. He, these guys are armed with shotguns, and they 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 let two two barrels go. Wow! And my life or yours? What are you going oh, yeah, to do? I mean, shotguns. She was getting all four hundred pounds of momentum. Was was and they were trapped in this narrow foyer, a bunch of cops. So right. some somebody was going to get hurt, and I know if that was me, it wasn't going to be me. Yep. They shot her. But what does the media tell? Sixty-one-year-old woman sickly everybody loved her that too went to uh uh, uh went to trial 
that. He was the police officer was acquitted, but his career was over. I mean, he couldn't walk anywhere, couldn't go out on the street. So he's not the Jimmy Sullivan that's still in the police department. This oh, is a big Sullivan. Oh, yeah, so many cops. There's forty-eight thousand cops. Yeah, there are a couple of Irish cops in the NYPD. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, this isn't about defending anybody. It's it's a it's a point that before people act and just and and try to destroy the neighborhood they live in and burn down businesses with people that live in the neighborhood and cater to the public, think. Sometimes a 20-second video or a 10-second video doesn't tell the whole story. Now, in this case, in uh, uh, Memphis, they obviously uh, had enough video there to show these cops are, are, are dead wrong, they're screwed, and they're going to prison for a long time. And if somebody is, is wrong, they're wrong. But to just, you know what I'm shocked about? I mean, I, I hate to say what I'm about to say, but I think it, it it's interesting to see that, unfortunately, they were all black cops. But imagine if they would have been all white cops where this would have escalated. Yeah, you couldn't. You know, the family of the victim, uh, the mom in particular, uh, pleaded with everybody to demonstrate, you know, but do it peacefully. Now they do this every time there's a police shooting, but I, 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 I tend to agree with you. If these were uh, white cops, they wouldn't have listened. Or they don't listen. You know, they, they, they do what they want to do. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, then, then, then it's a purely racial thing. And after every, everything comes out, we had a case here in uh, uh, Pittsburgh that a police officer shot a fleeing juvenile, well, he's 18, uh, in the back and killed them. And uh, the, the setup of the thing was he was in a car that matched the description of a, a, a team that just pulled an armed robbery with guns. In fact, there were bullet holes in the car. So uh, they cornered the car. The kid jumps out and he runs. And, and he guy, was in the car that had bullet Oh, yeah, he was in the car. Yeah, there's no, nobody's denying it. But they, what they were oh, denying oh, was oh. why, what they, their argument was, and there were riots here too. Why did you shoot him in the back? Now, in Pennsylvania, that's permitted. No, but not only that, if you somebody's running away from me, he's not running backwards. <laughs> wait, wait, no. What do you mean? Have, make a difference. He didn't. There was no gun visible. In, in, in Pennsylvania, at least then, they might have changed. This guy's name was, uh, his last name was, was Rose. I forgot it was for Axel Rose. No, that's a, that's a rock, rock guy. Anyway, uh, you didn't even have to have a weapon in your hand. You were fleeing from an armed robbery where force was used, you know, armed robbery where deadly physical force was used. You can shoot somebody in the back. I don't know of any other place in this country where you can do that. You're fleeing. You're a threat to nobody with no gun. So the, the cop hung his hat on the law. As unfair as it is, they acquitted him. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm happy for him, but I mean, you know, like you say, I mean, like, nobody realizes, and I've been in this situation where I had to make a decision of life or death, and I'm not even a cop. When, like you say, those f few seconds, you're wondering, like even in my club with that guy, I mean, he already caught me, he already stabbed a woman, but still now I got to shoot this guy. It's you not an easy thing to do. Well, you got a nanosecond to make up your mind. Oh, I know. And then after it's all over for the next, fortunately, you were obviously in the right. 
But right. uh, for other people, they will judge you. Well, they were already. Weeks, months, years. You know, why did you do it? Yeah, because I had a second to make a decision. I didn't know there was a toy gun. It was, it was colored black like a regular gun. It looked like a gun. They even had it. They showed it on television. Looked like a regular gun. They killed it. This guy killed a 12-year-old kid. He was destroyed when he found out that this was, oh, yeah. he was. And I, I, I know cops that kill people in a line of duty when it's justified. No problem. Stories that you never hear about. They're useless after that. They just can't. They can't work anymore. Oh, yeah. They want to take a life, though. Taking a human life for some people, most people, is a traumatic thing. But for some people, they can't get over it and they can't perform anymore. And I've known police officers like that. These are the guys you never hear about. You know, it's, I'm just re recollecting when I came back out of the hospital, because I got, you know, 81 stitches, and I went to my club a day later. I couldn't believe this. The the tape on the floor where the body was after they removed the body, they left the tape. It was a decision my maitre d's and all them. So let's leave the tape. People were coming in so they could sit or take pictures of that tape on the floor. <laughs> I mean, talk about insane people. It became like a, a, a you know, yeah. a, 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 an attraction, a, a tourist attraction for a people, while. People think life is is a, is a movie. You're the one that had to go through this, you know. Yeah, those I mean, you know, that's you know when it, at, at the start of the show was talking about. I don't tell anybody that that I'm a cop or was a cop. Uh, but if if somebody you know pins me down and they know who I am, they ask me, well, what did you do when you were a cop? You know, they're looking for to 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 you know bait me. So I tell them, yeah, you ever watch TV and there's uh, somebody's killed and somebody draws a chalk line around the body. They said, yeah. I said, well, I'm the guy that did that. I, I draw the chalk line. <laughs> and they look at me. I said, that's all I did oh, for 20 years. Oh, only you would think of that. <laughs> and I'm very good at it. And they look at me like I'm crazy. But the upside is they walk away. Yeah. They don't want to talk to me because I'm nuts. No, yeah. no, thing, no. But well, you know, that's what I, I thought, you know, I had three incidents that, you know, I had to do what I did. But that, that to me, I found very, I said, I said Stevie, well, how come this is still here? He said, are you kidding, boss? People are calling. Can we come in? We want to see where this happened. Because, and for me, in 1989, this was October 28, 1989. I'll never forget it. But that's when all this entertainment tonight was on. And they were making their own assumption. Oh, it must have been a love triangle, Lorenzo Morales, a drug dealer, and Johnny Russo, and this. I'm just saying, was mob about? hit something. Mob hit, all kinds of things. That was like, yeah. Oh, oh you, you were on Entertainment Tonight. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. But, you know, the one guy that was really a good friend of mine, and uh, he, he uh, in fact, his kids, I'm still friends with them all. He owned the Las Vegas Sun and the, and the family. He called me right away. He said, are you okay? I said, yeah, he said, all right. That's all that counts. He said, you got to mm -hmm. put a spin on this right now. Yeah, you're going to be, you're, you're being tried by the public right now. That's how it works. Everybody's yeah. the one that wanted quarterback. And he was the one, and and, and, uh, and his, his wife and him always used to come in my club, and, and their sons were all there. Now they run they own magazines all over the world, but he was the one. Hank, Hank Greenspun, and he said, "Johnny, we're going to have a press conference at your club." I said, "Go ahead," and he was right. He had to defreeze it, 
And Laura managed to say what happened and that Johnny went to my rescue and I would have, who knew what would happen with this guy. And, but the public loves to spin this stuff and news people today, I think go even further with it before they know the facts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I tell you, time flies 55 minutes. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I think this uh, was a, a story that needed to be told. Yeah, you know, and our, it's, uh, and our listeners are getting like you're saying, and we we love this. They're contacting us on like news bulletins now. Thinking, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's it's off topic, but it, like you say, it certainly is timely. You know, no, I mean, I think, and I think it's important because a lot of people just listen; they don't pay attention; they're not involved with it. It's not my business, but it can become your business real fast especially in the world we're living in today. It's unfortunately very violent. So you should know, try to know some of the process. <laughs> yeah, i tell you. It's, well, uh, I leave you uh, with the following, dear listeners. If you haven't uh, uh, bought a copy of The Sixth Family, please do. It's where oh, yeah. we're, we're, getting, we're getting very good reviews on this, and we're very happy with the results. So check it yeah. out. And we thank you already for your support, all our yes. readers and listeners. and. Keep tuning in. Keep sending us mail. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. God bless. Be safe. And that was that. And I'll be back. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo or Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.